Come be a part of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board with Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right now. And here we go. Once again, that's the sound of rock cracking, and you got Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Holliday, and you're listening to us right here on webtalkradio.net. Now, last week, America lost a great patriot, a great and mighty patriot. Foster Freeze passed away. Yeah, he just run for governor of Wyoming uh, a couple years ago. He got defeated but he uh made a strong statement and race but his presence in america has been felt his name many of you may have seen him over the years and uh, a lot of different tv interviews and uh podcast in fact we had him on a couple times uh, and i know he was a rick santorum supporter back in uh, 2000 and 12 in the election where Mitt Romney ended up getting a Republican nomination but he got behind Rick Santorum and we had him on is a great guy and a great interviewer and he knows America and he contributed what he did was he was one of the premier investors of his time he made oodles of money and he was not embarrassed to give it away and to help people and so I just want to take this week, and we are going to look at some of the things of Foster Freeze, and we we got a clip from the uh, his uh, funeral when Rick Santorum speaks, and uh, there's someone who gave a poem, a, a man who lost his daughter at the uh, Columbine shooting in the late 90s, uh, started a foundation to help others, and Foster Freeze was a big supporter. Now, I met Foster Freeze one time, and a, a friend of mine that's been on the show many times, uh, Reverend William Owens, and he would march with Dr. Martin Luther King, and he's head of the Coalition of African-American Pastors, and, and Foster Freeze uh, had, uh, was a supporter of his organization. And Foster also was at a meeting where, where uh, Reverend Owens introduced me to Foster Freeze, so that's the only time uh, I got to personally meet him, but I was so privileged to to, to have him on our show on a podcast, uh, Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics, a couple of times. So in a minute, I'm going to play a part of uh, 2012, and he was supporting the Republican nominee, Mitt Romney, and he's talking. We I asked him a question about the energy. And you see what happened when President Obama got reelected in 2012. But what we're talking about, basically, Trump took that, that uh, exactly what uh, Foster Freeze was talking about. Trump took that in the energy policy 
and made America the number one exporter, number one producer of energy in the world, around the globe. President Trump took those very ideas of Foster Freeze. So I just wanted to uh, let you know what a patriot this is, even though he's not a household name. He's never held office, elected office, but he has helped place people in positions who have affected our nation. He's a true American patriot, and uh, he, he will leave a legacy, and people will uh, follow in what he did. And so I just wanted to, to tell everybody out here that listens to Doc Holliday's Rock Split and Politics, say a prayer for the Foster Freeze family. I think they were expecting he uh they knew he was getting near the end but pray for them because they'll be it, it, nobody can fill his shoes and and he uh definitely was a cowboy and he's someone who loved this country and he loved people and i just uh i you know it hurts me to know that we've lost foster freeze and i mentioned before you know we've lost rush limbaugh we're losing generals in the conservative movement. So the people got to step up. We need some fresh faces, fresh voices. It may be you out there and where you are in your communities. And Foster would be the first to tell you this. Be active. Stand up for what's right. Support people who need help. There will be a voice. Encourage them to run for office. Encourage those who need to, to step up. You know they'll be effective. It's so hard to run for office these days with uh, what your family has to go through. And it shouldn't be that way. It should not be that way. But it's tough. So we got to get going. The tough, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Foster Freeze really showed an example of what to do when God had blessed him with uh, in being an investor that... Uh, he may be called a self-made man, but he knows it's people who surrounded him that helped make him what he is. So we talk about that in this interview. With uh, I'm going to play here in just a minute, and then we have a uh, the gentleman's going to say a poem he did at uh, the funeral for Foster Freeze, and then on the second half of the show, I, I think Rick Santorum s- s- summed everything up about Foster Freeze when he gave in eulogy there at uh, the funeral service for foster freeze so i'm going to play that for you for those who are not real familiar foster freeze you'll really enjoy what rick santorum had to say you enjoy knowing that foster freeze gives us someone that we can copy someone we can say he did well let me follow in his footsteps let me now not (laughs) you and me (laughs) And most people will not have the financial success to be able to give away millions and millions of dollars. But we can help with what we have. We can help those others. And that's what Foster did. The people that God put into his life, and he saw where he could be a help, he helped. So you'll hear some of that, what Rick Santorum has to say about that. And uh, just... This is a special show and about Foster Freeze.
but it was about Foster Freeze because he loved this country like you do. This audience out here listening to Doc Holliday's rock splitting politics, you love America, and you want to see what's best for America, and that's why we work hard. And that's why we bring you the material we bring you. Let's listen to what people had to say about Foster Freeze and love our country. We need to do things like Foster Freeze. We want to do everything like him. God made us all different. He gives us different kind of talents. Foster sure knew how to make some money. And then he didn't hold on to it. He helped people in their lives, in their everyday lives. And he helped people to run for office who would stand up for American values. So I'm going to play this clip. Remember, this is from 2012 in the general election when uh, Mitt Romney was running against uh, Barack Obama. And we're talking about energy. Why would an economy do better under Mitt Romney? Well, there's several reasons. One, I think, is the five-point plan that uh, Mitt Romney has introduced. And the first part is the one that really strikes me a lot, and that's the energy issue. And uh, Obama, President Obama will say, well, it's all of the above, you know, nuclear, uh, wind, solar, coal, the whole thing. Uh, but then he's got a war on coal. I think uh, recently I heard eight coal mines closed down and, and uh, there are 32 coal-fired plants are coming offline. So even if they just kept those going, that's employment. Those are people who are now uh, unemployed. And the, uh, the miners uh, are very distraught because uh, of the regulations, the environmental regulations and the OSHA regulations. So the uh, more reasonable uh, regulatory environment would be very important. And then also, I think, just the whole notion of encouraging people to come here, to make it more hospitable in the United States. And, and right now, there's so many regulations and, and taxes that people are more eager to, to locate off, offshore. And I, I believe uh, the, the whole attitude towards, uh, towards the government's role is critical. You know, when President Obama said, you didn't build that, Right. So to to a, to a certain extent, I I uh, never like being described as a self-made man, even though I've been very blessed by our, our country. And the the key to success, or the legs to success, the three legs in a stool, are one: you need the workforce. I, I I'm where I am today because of the people God put in my life who did so many of the things on a day-to-day basis, picking stocks and keeping the records straight and. Uh, there's no way I, as one person, could have managed $15 billion all by myself. So right. those people are critical to their success. Secondly, is a hospitable governmental environment where the tax rates, the rule of law, the uh, the encouragement to entrepreneurs is critical. And then the third would be the entrepreneur. And I think mm-hmm. President Obama just wants to completely negate the role that that entrepreneur plays because without that leadership, Things don't happen. So I believe uh, you need all three legs of that stool, and that's what makes America so great. Well, one of the things that the president has pointed out over and over again, and President Obama says, well, uh, we're running uh, what Romney would want to do is uh, run business out of our country and, and push them overseas. Now, where is he wrong about that? 
Well, it's just the reverse. I, I think if you uh, look at our tax rate, uh, what is it uh, for corporations? Thirty-five. Thirty-five percent right now. Thirty-five percent. What's Canada? Fifteen percent. Yeah. Well, how different is the the weather and and the and the infrastructure and the transportation, the workforce, in terms of all the other things uh, between Canada and and ourselves? And then you 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 travel around the world and you see how the regulations. Are so uh, less stringent. I, I just something simple like uh-huh. like railings. My wife and I just took one of these National Geographic trips around the world to celebrate the fact that we've been married a hundred years, fifty and, apiece. Well, congratulations on that, Foster. <laughs> and, and and every place, almost every country, you go up and down these uh, steep steps. There's no railings. Well, that's just one indication of the kinds of regulatory environment that we're competing against. And in India, see these brick kilns spewing out this black, black smoke. Now, mm-hmm. in no way am I encouraging the whole idea that we go back to uh, to less clean air. But right. there's a point at which it, it, it becomes ridiculous. And if you ask uh, the head of Environmental Protection Agency, Mrs. Jackson, she says, well, my job isn't. Uh, to worry about employment jobs mine's clean air so they don't care how stringent they make their requirements to cause a lot of things to have to close down and and uh go to other countries you you mentioned in that about clean air foster now uh the coal jobs uh those are concentrated in uh, what, pennsylvania ohio west virginia is, is that where we're talking about that people are losing their jobs yeah, exactly. Uh, they're, I mean, they're closing down mines, and, and not only that, but they're closing down coal-fired plants that are in other parts of the country which are not coal-producing because the coal gets shipped uh, along distances for, oh, right. for that. So, uh, And natural gas prices are down dramatically, so that's another competitive force that makes uh, running a coal mine uh, less profitable. So it's a combination of the competition of natural gas and the regulatory environment, which is destroying uh, you know, a major industry. You know, President Obama has a war on coal. Well, we've seen the war on coal, and not only that, uh, we, and we looked at high gas prices, and, and I've seen several pundits uh, trying to uh, back up the president saying, well, you know, a president can't do much about gas prices now. Why? Uh, why can Mitt Romney do something about gas prices, and the president feel like feels like he can't? Well, I would think a key to that might be the Keystone Pipeline. If we get that yeah. uh, crude uh, flowing down to the refineries in New Orleans, uh, I would think that would be uh, a way of reducing gas prices because we we have not built any refineries for like twenty five years, and so with that limited capacity, uh, it's a question of how do you. How do you utilize them more completely? And the Keystone Pipeline would be one key, but uh, I think also allowing more uh, drilling and more permitting and uh, just encouraging development of fossil fuels. President Obama considers these fossil fuels and carbon as a liability, where uh, uh, Governor Romney considers them an asset. When you look at all the coal that just Wyoming alone has, Wyoming, where I live, has probably like a 300-year supply of coal. Well, that was Foster Freeze on Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics back in 2012. And his voice was so strong then, strong throughout his life. And let me play this clip about, well, I'm going to play a clip where uh, the gentleman who lost his daughter in a Columbine um, school shooting in the late 90s. And 
he had uh, wrote a poem about Foster to read at the funeral. It gives a little bit of background about Foster being a cowboy. So I do just want you to understand that I, I, I want people to know that America has our best days ahead when we have people like Foster Freeze who's given his lifetime to loving his country, loving his family, loving God. And so that encourages me. Even though he's passed away, even though Rush has passed away, they have provided examples for the young people of the day, for patriots of the day, not to give up, to persevere, and good things are coming as we reach out and tell people what a great country we have. And let's love America like they did. Now, uh, let me remind you, you're listening to Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. You're listening to us right here on webtalkradio.net. And we have a book called Bedrock Truths. And that book, you can purchase it at www.docholiday.org. Holiday of two L's in it. And now, take a listen to a poem read at the funeral service about Foster Freeze. I think Laura Ingram's son said it the best when he said, Mama, he looks like a cowboy. <laughs> and Foster was a true cowboy. Whether we were walking down the halls of Congress in Washington, D.C. with his, his hat on and his cowboy boots or playing golf in Phoenix or on a fishing trip in Mexico, when Foster walked in the room, you knew a cowboy was present when he was there. In the Old West, there were two compliments, the highest compliments that a cowboy could pay to a friend. And those two compliments were, he'll do to ride the river with. And the other one was, he sits tall in the saddle. And every one of Foster's outriders, all of us would agree with those two compliments. He would do to ride the river with, and he sat tall in the saddle. Psalm 91 says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Even though God is invisible, he cast a massive shadow throughout the universe. And his shadow represented three things, protection, provision, and purpose. Foster also cast a massive shadow. And those same three things apply to his shadow of, of influence. He had purpose to provide for those in need and to protect those who were brutalized or victimized. And a few days ago, I wrote a poem that I want to dedicate to you, Lynn. And it's called Foster's Shadow. Out of Rice Lake came a legend who was birthed by destiny. He's a man who loved America and helped to keep it free. He wore leather boots and cowboy hats and loved to tell us jokes. He was friends with global leaders and with all us common folks. He and Lynn became quite wealthy, but they used it for the good, helping victims and the needy in a way that Christians should. Foster gave to many causes, and his gifts were never small. He sat tall in the saddle, and his shadow touched us all. He would help a struggling waitress through her great financial strain. He would underwrite the victims of a massive hurricane. He supported acts of kindness and compassion in our schools. He gave freely to great ventures while avoiding greedy fools. Both Republicans and Democrats would come to love this guy, who stirred firm in his convictions with a twinkle in his eye. Foster had his share of ups and downs, but never did he fall. He sat tall in the saddle, and his shadow touched us all. He loved his wife and family, and he loved his friends as well. 
and all of us have stories that we don't have time to tell. He'll always be remembered in our hearts and minds, but then someday we'll pass beyond the veil to greet him once again. He would do to ride the river with, as all the cowboys say. He walked humbly before his God through each and every day. Foster lived a life to fullest till he heard the master's call. He sat tall in the saddle, and his shadow touched us all. And his shadow did touch us all. It's touched everybody who lives in America by making America a better country, by encouraging patriots to love their country, to stand for what's right and do what's good. Help your neighbor. He did that. Helped his neighbor no matter what the political uh, party they belonged to or no party. Help those in need. And that's what he did. And help those around the world even. But thank goodness we have uh, people like Foster Freeze who have been good for America. And it's been good for all of us. Now, Rick Santorum was a politician who, <laughs> he'll just tell his story. Uh, I want him, I'm going to play this whole little clip of the last about eight minutes of, uh, and you'll learn a lot about Foster Freeze. You'll learn a lot about Rick Santorum. But you'll learn a lot about America listening to this. And then we'll wind it up. Take a listen to former Senator Rick Santorum and former presidential candidate Rick Santorum. Dearest Lynn and family, reverend clergy and friends of Foster, we're gathered here because of one man, a man known personally to most of us, known only by reputation to even more, a man loved by many, scorned by others, a man known for his great compassion and incredible sacrificial love. That man, of course, is Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> we are here in this church because Jesus died for our sins, rose from the dead to give us hope of everlasting joy with him in heaven. Foster believed that. But a few weeks ago, as he was facing the end, he shared that he wasn't 100% convinced. He had doubts. Don't we all? If each of us believed 100% and had absolutely no doubt of the cross and resurrection, we would likely not be living the lives we're living today. Foster then quickly quipped that he was around 90%. <laughs> but like everything else, Foster went all in on that 90%. For the 28 years I knew him, he passionately proclaimed the gospel. Who could forget his mealtime blessing, thanking God for us starting every day anew because Jesus forgives us for all the dumb things we did yesterday. But the tributes to Foster have not mentioned him preaching the gospel. They acclaimed him because he lived the gospel. Foster was one of the greatest investors of his generation and amassed incredible wealth using the strategy of investing in people, not products. But the money did not bring happiness. Halfway through his life, he found true joy, as he said, when I accepted Jesus as the chairman of the board of my life. He realized that his talent and the riches that came from it were a gift from God, and we should use, he should use those gifts to be a better husband, a better father, and God's hands and feet in a hurting world. We know from his frequent boasts about the talents and accomplishment of his children and grandchildren, Foster deeply loved his family, 
and believed and invested in their dreams, like Steve and Polly's Jackson Hole Classical Academy. But remarkably, Foster extended his care and concern to his friends, the politician, the conservative activist, the humanitarian, and yes, the waitress and the welder. I'm sure in some way he encouraged you and maybe even invested in your dreams. He saw the good in you that you didn't even see and believed in you even when you doubted yourself. And what a difference that made with Tucker and Neil with the Daily Caller and Mark Meckler with the Tea Party Movement and Ethan Steinberg, the waiter turned investment manager. And so many, many more, including me and my family. In 1993, I was one of 10 Senate candidates who spoke to a posse of Republican donors in D.C. And after my talk, this guy came up to me and we instantly became friends. I never asked why he picked me that day. Maybe he saw in me something of himself at that age. Raw, ambitious, driven, but an obvious need of a little seasoning. <laughs> and did he ever season? Being a friend of Foster's is like getting a PhD in friendship. No one did friendship better than Foster Freeze. He helped me get elected, but that was just the beginning. In 1996, thanks in part to Foster's encouragement, I took my first foray into pro-life politics by managing the partial birth abortion bill, and I hashed up a million-dollar ad campaign to try to influence Senate votes. My first fundraising call was to Foster. I started making my pitch, and Foster asked me if he could put me on speaker for Lynn to listen. When I finished, he asked if I could hold a minute. He returned and said, Lynn and I will donate $250,000. That was an amazing gift. But it was also an important lesson for me about Foster. Foster was not a Lone Ranger. He was the public face of a couple where each brought essential elements that led to their success. And importantly, Foster knew it and loved Lynn for it. If you have any doubt about Lynn carrying on their legacy, you should have seen Lynn deliver his message and interact with voters during the governor's race. Foster was a great candidate. But with all due respect, Governor, had Lynn run, she would have won that race. <laughs> C.S. Lewis said, a friend is someone who knows the song in your heart and can sing it back to you when you've forgotten the words. Lynn knows Foster's song in his heart because Lynn was the beautiful music to that song. Karen and I were blessed to have these soulmates as true friends during our years in the Senate. You know, it's an axiom in in politics that a politician learns his true friend after he loses an election. How about losing an election by 18 points and then announcing running for president? <laughs> in 2012, I was at the bottom of the field, a big field, hosting events with only a handful of people, barely qualifying for every debate where I got fewer questions than the cameraman. 
Foster and Lynn were the first, the first to donate. But as the campaign wore on, my pal knew we needed something more than money. So in the months leading up to the Iowa caucuses, Foster was at my side at every debate, forum, or big speech to encourage me, to give me a high-profile surrogate and make me laugh. I was the conservative warrior in the race, but Foster and my wife Karen constantly chastised me to become the happy warrior. In the final weeks before the caucus, the happy warrior started to gain traction. But we didn't have money to run any television ads, and thus I had really no chance of winning. I'll never forget working a breakfast crowd at a diner a couple of weeks before the caucus, and a guy told me that he had just seen my, my ad on television. Foster's ads helped me go from 7% to winning the Iowa caucus. Who invests money in a candidate at 7% a few weeks before an election? <laughs> a true believer and a true friend. We didn't win the nomination, but Foster was rightly recognized as the one donor with the courage to support the conservative cause and stand up to the establishment. Now every conservative wanted Foster to do for them or their project what he had done for us. Instead of being overwhelmed by the onslaught, Foster seized the opportunity to restore the goodness of America by launching and supporting hundreds of candidates and organizations to fight for the values that made our country great. That twinkle in those steel blue eyes would blind you when he talked about great projects like ACE scholarships or a candidate that he was going to help save America, like you, Christy, and you, Mike. But as years passed, Foster grew more concerned about America's future. On his last fishing trip, we sat on the boat, and he shared his frustration that he wasn't succeeding in so many important things in his life. He said he had so much more to do, so many balls in the air, but not enough points on the board at a time when America really needed him. Just a few weeks ago, while getting an infusion to keep him alive, he reiterated this frustration and in typical Foster fashion explained one of the reasons for his failure. He said, Rick, I was just diagnosed with stage four procrastination. <laughs> In spite of that diagnosis, a few weeks ago, Foster and Lynn established the Foster's Outriders Foundation to make sure that his family and friends keep his dreams for America alive. It should come as no surprise that the master of friendship included in the Outriders mission statement a requirement to continue his hunting and fishing trips, to gather his pals, civic community and media leaders, together with his family, to collaborate on projects, start and build friendships, and of course, share meals with only one person talking at a time. <laughs> Outriders and the Lynn and Foster Freeze Foundation will be another part of Foster's legacy as one of the greatest Americans of his generation. But Foster would insist that his greatest legacy will be his investment in the people that God put in his path, that he was a follower of Jesus, who tried his best to love God and love his neighbor as himself.
and may God and his friends laugh while doing it. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Indeed, Foster Freeze, what a life well lived. And thank you, Rick Santorum, for such a great eulogy. And let me just remind you, you're listening to Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics, and next week we will have some more great Rock Splitting Politics. See you then. Thanks for joining us today, and remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. You can order Ed's new book, Bedrock Truths, by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen, or visit DocHolliday.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week.